When I lived in San Diego, I would curse the trees. Yeah, it's 70 degrees and sunny every day there, but the leaves didn't change. They were green all year long. It was infuriating. As I thought about why this was getting to me so much, it occurred to me that the changing of the seasons marks not just the passage of time. It also marks the changing of us all. I was changing rapidly during that year in Southern California. I was learning and growing faster than I ever thought possible. And I had become accustomed to the earth changing with me. I appreciated being able to see the changes around me as the most profound and amazing changes were taking place almost invisibly within me. I used that reminder to help me to make choices about how I would handle what I was experiencing in ways that would lead me toward wholeness and healing rather than decay and remorse. So when I didn't have a visible sign, when I couldn't revel in the beauty of change around me and by extension cherish the changes that were happening in me, I cursed those trees. When her 18-year-old son decided to join the Marines, Dutch photographer Claire Felici had an idea. Her son seemed fascinated with the possibility of going to Afghanistan and by how this new experience might change him. So while her son was stationed in the Caribbean and never went to Afghanistan, she did, and she took her camera along. She photographed 20 Dutch Marines three times over the course of 12 months. The results, in triptych form, as the artist displays them, are behind me. The first shot was taken before they were deployed, while they were on the base in the Netherlands. They had plenty of time to set up the shots and talk about their feelings about heading to war. Mostly, they said they were eager, ready, though they also spoke of the families that they would miss, that they hoped they could return to. The second shot was taken while they were in Afghanistan, fighting the war. Nine months had passed since the first shoot. Six weeks had passed since they had lost two of their comrades in an IED blast. The tone was very different. The shoot was rushed. The men had just returned from patrol. They were drenched in sweat and anxious to get to the showers. Claire only had time to take one shot of each man. And the third shot was taken when they had returned home to the Netherlands. Now only three months had passed since the second shoot, and they had plenty of time again. But the tone was different again. Claire said of the experience, they were saying they were good, they were fine, but then I let them sit and look through the camera. When they sat down, they said nothing, and I said nothing also. It was then I saw their faces had changed. Only a year had passed, but so much had changed. Do you see a difference in their faces? Now I'm asking you to look past the cosmetic shifts, 
like that their noses are tan in the middle photos from the hot desert sun. And really, I'm asking you to look past all the physical things altogether. Can you see that they've been changed? Can you see the experiences they've had on their faces? Do they show that they, what they have had to do and that they've witnessed horrible things? Do they show any hardening or thickening of the skin? Do you see their sadness? Can you tell whether they returned home with PTSD as such high numbers of our soldiers do these days? Can you tell if they've lost anything in the desert? Our faces can reveal so much more than the physical. Our emotions are often revealed in the slightest glint of the eye or curl of the lip. What can you see in these men's faces? Heather Murphy, writer of the photo blog Behold, writes of this project, what's interesting about it is that you can convince yourself that something's changed dramatically from middle to right only to compare right to left and talk yourself out of it. It must just be angle or lighting, you say. But even after you've concluded, that wrinkle isn't really any bigger. It's undeniable that there is a difference. No, this was not a perfectly controlled scientific experiment, but there is no science to walking into a room, looking into a friend's face, and immediately knowing that something has happened. It's not about the obvious clues like a frown or matted hair, but something far more nuanced. Have you ever walked into a room, looked into a friend's face, and immediately known that something has happened? Have you ever looked at yourself and been amazed by the differences you saw in the same face you had looked at days or even hours before. I'm amazed by the changes in my face all the time. There are times when the changes seem stronger, like they're happening faster, times when I find more of a shift and I'm almost taken aback. And yet, even then, the differences may be so subtle that others might not ever notice. Seth might see it. He looks at my face a fair bit or he might not. My best friend, however, seems to be able to tell by the tone of my voice or some very subtle facial expressions over Skype exactly where I am emotionally. And by extension, she can seem to know something of what's been going on in my life. We wear our inner scars on our faces and our inner beauties, too, whether we want to or not. Have you ever noticed a very conventionally attractive person who just seems ugly because they are scowling or pouting or just seem unhappy? Or someone with some characteristic that is seen as conventionally unattractive, a very large nose or a big mole that just exudes beauty and grace? Who we are inside is written on our faces. 
who we become, what shows up on our faces, depends on us, depends on how we deal with what happens to us in our lives. It's not so much what happens to us as much as what we do with those experiences. What we experience changes us. It does so in a variety of subtle and not-so-subtle ways, but we have choices about how it changes us. We get to decide whether that pain will harden and make us bitter or whether that joy will open us up and allow us to be more vulnerable. In her book, My Grandfather's Blessings, Dr. Rachel Naomi Riemann writes, the heart has the power to transform experience. No matter what we do, finding fulfillment may require learning to cultivate the heart and its capacity for meaning in the same way that we are now taught to pursue knowledge or expertise. We will need to connect intimately to the life around us. Knowledge alone will not help us to live well or serve well. We will need to take off our masks in order to do that. When we are changed by life, there is no turning back, no hiding. No pretending that you are the same person you were before. Well, you can try, but as Jean's story tells us in our reading, it's not a very fulfilling path. But when we allow ourselves to be who we are, to not hide the parts of us that have been hurt, to share our stories with those around us, we can find the success she had we can find a place of healing. And it isn't just the huge events that change us. Yes, we are surely changed quickly by those major traumas like a stroke or going to war, but often it's how we handle those big events on a daily basis when they are over that makes a real difference in who we are and what we are about. It's how we integrate those experiences into us when we choose whether to hide ourselves or to share even our inner scars with the world, when we allow our heart to be opened like a flower by the experience rather than shriveled or hardened. And each new lesson we learn just walking through life changes us a bit. Each moment of deep connection, each time we reach out to someone in need, each step we take toward compassion. You are not the same person you were a year ago. I know I've been here about a year now. It may not be quite as visible on your faces as in the soldiers' photos, but I can see that you've changed a lot in the last year. You may not even be the same person you were yesterday. How do you choose to change? Do you cling desperately to the familiar and the comfortable, even when you know it's no longer serving you best? Do you let bitterness and anger grow inside of you for the pain that is just part of life? Or do you embrace your new truths, your new experiences that are shaping your new self in this moment? Do you face the world with all of your vulnerabilities 
without hiding behind masks or shells that you've deluded yourself into believing might keep you safe? Do you trust the incredible capacity of your own heart to hold all of the complicated and difficult emotions that you experience as you journey through life? How do you integrate your experiences into who you are at your core? And can you, over time, use the most painful experiences of your life, the most formative and the most soul-wrenching, to help you heal the world? Can you come to a place where the parts of you that you might want to hide are life-giving to you and to those around you? Can you share the painful stories that might help another find healing? There was something deeply profound in Jean's choice in our reading to stop trying to be a therapist hiding from the stroke that had injured her brain and changed her life. She said, I think I will just be myself. I will help people like myself, people who are not like others people who have had strokes and other brain injuries, people who can never be normal again. I think I can help them be whole. In what ways will you never be normal again? What has life thrown at you that has forever altered who you are? How have the heavy-footed hoped to silence you? Have they succeeded? Or have you found your own wholeness even in that place? Have you forgiven the past, learned you are not what has happened to you, and moved forward stronger? If you have, reach out. There are so many others who are searching for wholeness. So many others who are struggling to learn that their heart is big enough to hold all of their sorrow. So many others who need to know that they are not alone. And if you haven't yet gotten to this place, reach out. There are so many others who have been there. So many others who know how your heart aches. So many others who have called out for help into the quiet of night, wishing with all their might that they might know some healing. We have been taught to keep silent, that people don't want to talk about what has torn us apart or broken us open. We are told over and over again in so many different ways not to bother other people with what's happened to us. So we end up living next door to someone who's also lost a child, and we never share our stories. Or we work with someone who's suffered with mental illness and we never share the ways in which we understand each other. Or we sit next to someone in church who has also known violence, and we let the shame of what has happened to us keep us from connecting in the profoundness of our shared experience. We've all hidden the ways in which our hearts are broken, the ways in which our lives have been forever changed. If we keep silent about who we are, then we are the ones who lose.
if we speak up, share with others, and learn the ways in which those around us have had similar life-altering experiences, then we are healing not just ourselves, but the whole world. All it takes is willingness and a whole lot of courage. But I promise you, you have what it takes. You are so much stronger than you might realize. And you are never alone. Amen.